To another edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap live on Sunday night this MLK weekend. We got the we got one of the hottest intro songs in all of the HBCU sports show diaspora. I mean, I, I still be juking the um, Dr. Caville, so that might be number one. But Drew, I think we got the number two intro. I, I would challenge any and any and every show that's out there in the diaspora. If you can do better than our show and Dr. Cavill's, then I got to hear it. I, I don't know. I ain't heard it yet, Drew. Have you? I hope my team, they won one. I hope my team, they won one. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I hope my team, they won one. I hope my team, they won one. Yeah. I love my yeah. You. Are we yeah. going oh, to be quiet as a mouse? Not today. We might dab on them, though. But I mean, hey, look, we we look. <laughs> so like, there's two categories. There's like, they're like lyric intros, and then there's musical intros. So we'll put Dr. Cavill at the top of the lyrical intros, and we we got to be at the top of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, the intro, the musical uh, musical intro. Now nah, don't start that because I'm about to boot that person, whoever that is. I'm about to start. I'm about to boot that person. Hey, uh, we gonna we gonna talk we gonna we gonna talk about that with James Austin. You know, not don't not yet, not quite yet. Don't get booted, James. I'm telling you now, <clears throat> I ain't I ain't for it today. This weekend, I'm on edge. I'm emotional, so I try not to be that person that lets emotion gets into my uh, in, into my analysis of things, Drew. You know that I, I don't like to let emotions rule. But this I'm emotional about. So, <laughs> so hey, but uh, serious, all serious talk, man. Thank you, everybody, for coming in, joining us. Uh, hit the thumbs up and the like button. We got our people watching us on Instagram as well as watching us on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. So we appreciate everybody. Uh, Jeremiah Clark. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're coming in. We, we, we wanted to wait for halftime of this Packer Cowboy game uh, because the Cowboys are down 20 points. Uh, let, let's just, for those who are curious, let's look and see what the live in game is. Ooh, Drew, the live in game Cowboys plus nine and a half. Uh, and it's, if you think the Cowboys can win, it's plus 450. Uh, Y'all let me know out there. Is this a play? 
help 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 brother B out. Is this a play? Do you think the are the Cowboys coming back? I don't have a good gauge of this. Are the Cowboys? I'm shocked right now. The Cowboys are down 20 at home. You got two things, Ryan. What's that? First of all, the Cowboys gonna outscore them by 10 in the second oh. half. Because that shoot plus nine and a half. That's well, which still doesn't give them the win. The defense that just that, gives them the Cowboys defense. If the Cowboys defense comes through, that's where you can get the plus nine, I think, right? Well, yeah. We saw we saw yesterday where uh, we had two pick sixes on consecutive drives, so anything is possible, right? Man, look in the Cleveland uh, Houston game. Uh, I just want to know, you guys. No, Jeremiah says it's not a good play. So even at plus four fifty, you don't think? I mean, whoo, man. All right. I, I want to hear you, you guys. You guys, let me know out there. I see J Dub joining us on uh, on Instagram. Um, <laughs> Kylan, you, you, well, look, that's we we. You, all right, so look, let's set the table because we got a lot to talk about today. You guys are you guys are hilarious. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, we got some big time. Uh, well, we, we can say that one one coaching decision has been moved off the board. Texas Southern has named their head coach. We're going to talk to Kyle Mosley of HBCU Legends at the bottom of hour number one. He's been following it. He's from the, he lives in the Houston area. Uh, he's always had some good intel. Um, damn, Mary 305, the Cowboys are going fishing, huh? I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my phone away, Drew, because I don't see enough people telling me, B, that's a strong play on the Cowboys coming back. But, boy, if they come back, Drew, it's going to be a heck of a – it's going to be a heck of a comeback. Plus 450 is going to be one of the ones I'm going to cry about. We'll talk about uh, that, the other job. And then also, uh, I know some of you are curious, if you're not already, uh, the saga of what's happening at Florida A&M might be coming ahead today as the Florida trustees injured. You got to speak, right? Shit, I can hear you. I mean, so I mean, what is you 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 in and out. It's in and out. <coughs> All right. Well, there we go. The coffee. Uh, so again, as I was saying, coming up on Tuesday, the board of trustees at Florida A&M are set to hear from VP Tiffany Dawn Sykes. And we don't know. There's two. There's there's a thought that she is still going to present the Sean Gibbs contract for approval. There are some who believe that it'll be a presentation of James Colsey. Um, and there's a there's probably a lot who are thinking that the board of trustees will will hold off on anything and pull it and pull, and pull it Texas Southern and pull it Texas Southern and say no. We've heard from. Excuse me. We've heard from our constituents. And of course, given the vote of no confidence by the National Alumni Association, uh, they may take that under advisement. 
any one of anyone and all of those are in play. And so we'll kind of talk a little bit about that. We'll get into talking about some basketball. Big weekend of basketball in the SWAT, the CIAA, the SIC. Everybody but the MIAC. Everybody, everybody but the MIAC. Drew was playing yesterday. On, uh, on King weekend. On King weekend. So on a three uh, on a, on a holiday weekend. Yeah. So pretty pretty interesting stuff there. And uh, well, we had we had thought that we would have our top five, or at least I thought we'd have our top five to present this week, the BCSN top five. But <coughs> excuse me here with this uh, cough. Um, but we're kind of just waiting to see here. I guess we'll we'll kind of look at maybe some of the rankings in general. We don't quite have it ready, uh, so we'll we'll kind of give uh, some thoughts at some of the top teams. Also, Drew, I didn't want to mention some of the NCAA recent legislation that was passed, so we can also get into talking about that. All right. Well, Drew, any number of ways and places that we can go. Where where are you most interested in in starting? Which direction? How much time are we trying to take up? I, well, you know, you know our show. We we kind of we take we take whatever time we need to take. Uh, you know, we got a guest coming up at the bottom of the hour, so you know we got about fifteen minutes or or thirteen to fifteen minutes in this segment. You know, we can hit on a couple of different things, or if you want to get into to one topic, you know, I'm tossing it to you, my brother. Let's go off the radar because the the fam, you, we may get it in in 15 minutes. We may not because of the passion that you and I both have for the situation. Let's start off with the recent NCAA legislation when it comes to week zero. Okay. Um, all right, so let me pull up this uh, this story or the information as it's coming. I'm gonna read right from hbcusports.com. Um, Chris, Steven, Chris Stevens uh, kind of wrote the summary on this. Um, the NCAA proposed one resolution that could affect the Division II HBCU football, uh, failed while passing another that is more encouraging. Um, so for let's see proposal 204-2024-5 would have given automatic football tournament bids to conference champions was opposed meaning that the current system of super regions and the formula that decides those teams will soldier on for another day um so drew give a little give a little breakdown of 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 that um, if you could. Right now, the NCAA on the Division II level has what is called a preferred qualifier uh, system. That means that, uh, first of all, let's back that up. NCAA Division II takes 2018 to the tournament. They have four regions of seven teams each. So the top seven ranked teams in each region and all of our HBCUs are in Super Region 2, except for West Virginia State, 
who's in Super Region 1, and Lincoln of Missouri, who we haven't heard from in forever, is in Super Region 3. The other teams uh, out of the CIAA, the SIAC, are in Super Region 2. So if you are ranked in the top seven, you get to go to the tournament. Top four get home games. Five, six, and seven go on the road with number one, which Benedict has been the last two seasons, get a first round bye and get to host uh, the region throughout. Uh, unfortunately for Benedict, they have gone home in the second round of the Super Region. Now, there is an asterisk to that. That is, if you are a conference champion and you happen to rank in the top nine, then you get a bid into the tournament. What that means is if you come in at number nine, you may bump number seven out. And if we remember, I believe it was two, maybe three years ago, Brian, it may have been the last season before the pandemic. If not, it was a season coming right out of the pandemic when Miles defeated Albany State in the SIAC championship. Okay. And Miles was able to get in as a preferred qualifier because they were they went into the SIAC championship, I believe, number 11 in the region, 10 or 11 in the region. Obviously, the win over Albany State, who was, I believe, number seven at that point in time, uh, or maybe even number six at that point in time, got them into the top nine. And they bumped out. Ironically, I believe they bumped out one of the Virginia schools that year. It was either State or Union. I can't remember which one of them had the better record that particular year. But they bumped out uh, one of the Virginia schools because that was a year that Bowie won the defeated Fayetteville for the uh, CIAA. Uh, but long story short, if you're number nine, you can get in. They they wanted to keep that system as as far as so. And if you were to think, well, what what could have happened this year? Should an Albany State had beaten Benedict, Albany State would have been uh, six and five, if I remember uh, that correctly. No, seven. Seven and uh, they went in, they went in six and four. They went in six and four, so right. they would have been seven and four. Right. Had they defeated Benedict, Albany State would have gotten in based on that new legislation as a tournament champion, as a conference champion. Which would have left somebody out down the line. Benedict would have gotten in probably as an at-large, but that would have left another team out there somewhere. And just to go back, 2019, Miles was finished 9-3, and three. But they actually went into the championship game eight and two, uh, and then they defeated Albany State twenty-one to six. Um, the year before, they won the championship. They finished the season five and six in twenty eighteen, and they won the uh, and, championship. And they did not go to the and, playoffs. And that, right, and and that would have been a perfect uh, example of why. They did not want this legislation to pass. Right. Now, this is back in the day when the SIC had divisions 
Um, yes. you know, and there was even the year when what Kentucky State had a sub 500 season and went to the championship. They were four, they were four and six going into the championship game. I right. remember that they played Fortin Valley, if I remember correctly. That yes, year. they did. They did. That was in Montgomery. Yeah, in Montgomery, seventeen. Yep. Uh, so the system will stay the same in that respect for the automatic bids. Okay. The other legislation, which is a little more positive for the D2 programs, Proposal 2024-1 did pass. Um, shout out to uh, Jasher Cox, AD of Allen University, uh, who kind of broke that the first that I saw on Twitter, um, and I made sure to retweet it from the BCSN network. Now, this resolution did pass, and it means that Division II schools can now participate in week zero competition. If you recall last year, uh, several HBC, well, uh, schools from the SIC and the, S and the CIAA, I don't recall which two schools it was, but they petitioned to be able to play a game on week zero this past season. It was Benedict and Fayetteville. It was Benedict Fayetteville because it was supposed to be a championship. Cha- right, it would have been a championship rematch winner of last year's SIC versus the winner of the CIAA that have been a very interesting good matchup you know we'd love to have seen that um so this year several HBCU stakeholders called for it and uh it's believed that they kind of spurred that on and I'm sure there's a lot of other D2 programs that would love to be able to play the week zero for the simple fact Drew a lot of schools don't have the bye week so think about we don't now. Have about we get division two level. But now, if you can play in week zero, guess what? That gives you an opportunity to do. It gives schedule you an opportunity to schedule a bye week. If you can get somebody to play you in week zero, now you can schedule a bye week uh, it, within your within your schedule. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how many D twos jump into that. Um, do you think? And, of course, when you hear the legislation pass, it it leads everybody to start speculating and and wondering, will we get a CIAA-SIAC challenge game very similar to the MEAC-SWAC challenge game? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, let Let me back it up one step before I get into that, Brian. Also, what this will allow is for more flexibility with the non-conference schedule. Uh-huh. Whereas now you can go and possibly play a Division II or an AIA team in that Week Zero game. And this gives you an opportunity to add a possible, and I hate to say it, there I say it, another check game or some of those rivalry games that have gone by the wayside because of conference schedule expansion as a uh, and we'll just stick with the CIAA and the SIAC as they have gone from a 17 uh, schedule to an eight-game schedule. So this allows a little bit more flexibility. And we know the CIAA plays eight consecutive weeks with their schedule currently uh, as is constituted, whereas the SIAC, because they have an odd number of teams, uh, has a little bit more flexibility with their schedule with, some, with a conference matchup every week in the SIC because they have a high number of teams. Now you've got more flexibility in finding other games. 
that we've seen gone by the wayside because of uh, those schedules, the schedules. So, uh, yeah, I would love to see it. First of all, here's, here's the question, Brian. Where would you play this? And when? I've got one place that I think this uh, game should possibly happen, except the venue is too large. Uh, I'm listening. Go ahead. Ben, I, I would love to see this game in Charlotte. You can't play – obviously, you, you can't play in Atlanta because despite the fact that the SIAC is based in Atlanta, the 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 Cricket Celebration Bowl and Cricket Meat Swag Challenge run it run Atlanta when it comes to HBCU football. Mm-hmm. So unless there's some type of partnership with that entity, it will not happen. And just based on – and this is just my opinion, uh, you know, conversations with the powers that be with that, they're not interested in splitting that fandom in the city of Atlanta. So that that takes Atlanta out of it. I see Charlotte. Hotbed of CIAA country. Hotbed of CIAA country. The only thing with Charlotte, if you play it in, is, is it still called Bank of America Stadium? Oh, we're we, where the Panthers play. Just call it that. Yeah, <laughs> whatever name it is. Okay, okay. The, the venue I think is too large. The, it agree. needs to be in. It needs to be in a soccer type venue, a twenty to twenty five thousand seat soccer stadium venue. So here's the challenge. We, the call, Real quick, think about this. It's the soccer season. Was, thank you. That's what I was going to say. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I I, I like I like that uh Emmy uh, puts up uh, Birmingham, and Birmingham has been a willing player uh, in the midst of all this. That's more again, where are you going? To, it, it is for SIAC country, which is fine because you're going to have to do it in either CIAA or SIAC country. One so or maybe, maybe there is no there is maybe. no neutral ground. I, that's true. Maybe yeah. you're right. There's no neutral ground, but maybe you maybe you split it. Maybe you split it between okay. the two. You know, one year you're having it in SIAC country, the other year, the next year you're having it in CIAA country. Right. That way you nah, get your Virginia or North Carolina for the CIAA, and then in the SIC, maybe you're looking at uh, as you mentioned uh, uh, Birmingham or, or even Montgomery. Yeah. Now here's your challenge with the uh, with Birmingham Legion Field too too large. Here, right. Here's here's the up here's the other challenge. Uh, you have to deal with uh, you, you can play at uh, 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 where is it that UAB plays at? Uh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Birmingham Progressive. Progressive, progressive field. It's called it's progressive field, which is a four, which is a forty thousand seat stadium, brand new stadium, nice stadium, possibly. A couple other cities uh, that that you could possibly play something like this in uh, Nashville. But once again, Nissan Stadium too large. There is no soccer stadium in Nashville. Uh, 
if I if I do recall. I've, I've got one way out there in left field. Mm-hmm. I'm How about Chattanooga? Chattanooga. Uh, uh what? Okay, where where are you going to play at that? Where are you going right, See, here's the thing. Why would see, they, they, they would go? go I, I, why would you go play go it at another school? See, that that's the thing you got to think about. I would be hesitant to go play this game at another venue, a non sic or ciaa venue um and go give that school money you know what i'm saying i wouldn't go give another school yeah. money I, i'd have to find a place that maybe had a well you already mentioned the soccer stadium but uh for example where they play that game for the ciaa uh in uh in salem that's not affiliated with any particular university if i'm not mistaken so is there somewhere like that, make make it make in Georgia. Okay. Yeah. And and, and the good thing about a making or something like that is you're close enough. If you play that, the BX White Challenge is a seven thirty game, correct? Usually, traditionally seven thirty. Yeah. If you play that game at noon, if you play that game at noon, there's actually enough time for you to get. Oops, I seventy five and catch both. If you're if you're HBCU football fan, like I said, I'm just out there uh, thinking. You mentioned Montgomery. I'm excuse me, Birmingham, Montgomery. Montgomery already has the Red Tails Classic, so it's not it's not going to push the Red Tails Classic out of the way. So unless you rebrand the Red Tails Classic, it won't happen in a Montgomery. Uh, Memorial Stadium is the stadium in Charlotte by Jeff. Oh. Uh, and uh, Southbound 3000 said they can come to Augusta, Georgia. I don't know what, what's in Augusta, Georgia. Is that where they play? Isn't that where they play the Morehouse Tuskegee Classic? Yeah. Uh, there's a thought about uh, refurbishing Morris Brad, but that you'd have to wait for it to be refurbished. I don't know what kind of work you put in. Nah, that, 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 that's, t- that's a 10-year project. Yeah. All right. Um, well, it, you know, congratulations. Here's, here's, here's another one. The city stay okay. I don't know how many. How many does that seat? Was the city stadium in Durham seat? And here's the here's the other thing. Yeah, last if point. You don't have if if, if 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 you don't have uh, sweets, don't don't even throw it out there. All right. Well, there you go. You know, because because we have to have a we have to have we have to have somewhere where we can uh, ball and parlay. Sweet right? sales. Sweet sales. Yeah, you get sweet sales. Oh, yeah. Division two football. I don't know. That's not bad. Uh, you know, ten thousand. That's actually pretty good. Um, but again, I that'll be interesting to kind of hear what people uh, what people talk about as it relates to uh, this game and where you would have it. That'll be the big challenge. So um, we'll talk about that a little bit more coming up on the other side. After the break, we're going to talk to Kyle T. Mosley of HBCU legends and get into talking about Texas Southern finally has a coach, but they beat, look, they, they had, they had a lot of time to figure it out. And uh, I think they finally got it. Well, 
they they got a man. I don't know if it's their man or whose man it is, but they got a man. And so we'll talk about this man, a uh, former Houston Oiler. Chris. And Green Bay got a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, I, I stayed off it. I stayed off it. The Cowboys don't look like they're gonna do anything. I'm, I'm watching that line move, and it's back up to it's plus twelve hundred. I got to do something, Drew. Plus twelve hundred. That's a <laughs> no, that's a payday right there. You I gotta mean, save your money. I you gotta, gotta save money. your money. That's uh, what you gotta we'll, do. We'll figure it out after you the break. Save your money. Brian's gonna make a <laughs> foolish decision in the break, so we'll find out whether he did or did not after this commercial break. There's a tease for you. Uh, you're watching the BCS in Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Network. We'll be back in just a moment. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. All right, welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian AD and joining us. Uh, is Kyle Mosley of HBCU Legends. Kyle, good evening, my brother. Thanks for joining us, man. What's going on, Coach? What's going on, AD? I, I think he's there. Hello. Hey, okay, there you are. Drew, you Drew, there? Drew say I'm What's going on, Kyle? Hey, Drew's on. buffering. He's buffering <laughs> like the Dallas, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are buffering right now. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Kyle, you got to help me out here. I bet uh, you I'm loving it over in Houston. Uh, hold on, hold on. Okay, the Cowboys, Kyle, you got to tell me. Oh, it's up to plus 1,400. Jesus, I'm going to put the phone away. Live in-game, Kyle, do I play the Cowboys to win? Save Let your me. money. Really? Okay. Save your money. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. All right. Come right. on, thank man. you, Kyle. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, you know, it's not like we haven't seen a team come back from 24 before. Yeah, but, but – this is not yeah. this is not Tom Brady a quarterback. I don't think this is going. Well, look, you never say never. I, I will say certain things about the Texas Southern 
job search <laughs> and things went totally Left. I guess I wouldn't say 360 just went a damn different direction <laughs> than we ever thought it would be you know yeah um all someone right. didn't someone made the left in Albuquerque <laughs> yeah well whatever <laughs> Paris uh, Texas uh, East <laughs> Texas whatever <laughs> Edwin I don't know Edwin see you're you're the only person telling me to double down right now um everybody else is telling me to stay away yeah so, but he, he, he's playing with your money <laughs> thank you see that's how you yeah, that's yeah no offense <laughs> yeah okay uh so Kyle you have been on the uh boots on the ground you've been there you're in the Houston area Texas Southern finally gets their man um what a saga after what three months where you know athletic director Kevin Granger uh presumably had well not presumably from what we know he he had presented to the board of regents Fred McNair to be the next coach Fred McNair essentially walked away from Alcorn with the belief that he had this offer because uh, he even went to Alcorn to sort of counter-propose what they were offering. Um, and the number was so high, you kind of was led to believe, okay, he, he's getting somewhere near that number from Texas Southern. It's got to be. Um, but Alcorn State said, no, nah, we're good. We'll stay internally. So that was where we started. Then chaos happened. Um as you and it led to multiple names, uh, give us just sort of the the elevator version of what you've seen and how this played out. Well, first of all, yeah, the top choice based upon the recommendation from Kevin Granger, well, Dr. Kevin Granger and the search committee was going to be Fred McNair. It wasn't going to be just once. It was going to be a couple of times, right? And I think up until the, the 11th hour this time, Fred McNair still was the one who checked all the boxes for the search committee. But the board was not budging. They wanted to have somebody who probably has some connection to the Houston area as well as the to have a professional background to themselves and kind of have a fresh approach to coaching as well. And uh, they looked at Brett Maxey, who is a Texas Southern alum, as well as Chris Dishman. I know Chris had three interviews, he told me, uh, that went very well. Brett had a couple of interviews he thought went very well himself. And the board pivoted at the last moment and and I got to credit uh, President or Interim President Sias. She also was kind of frustrated with the whole process. She said, well, look, we got to come to some sort of compromise. And the compromise they were able to digest was Chris Dishman. In interesting use of words when you say compromise. Um, yeah. <laughs> So are they compromising because he's from the area? You mentioned that he has business ties. Uh, what's the background on Chris? What has Chris Dishman been doing over the last several years since he uh, got – I mean, I remember the name when he played for the Oilers. Right. Uh, but I, And I can't recall how long ago that was. Yeah, look, Chris was in Houston Oilers. And so his name here in Houston – 
is 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 a good name. Uh, he was a part of that Nick Saban tree now that you have Bubba McDowell as well as Chris Dishman because he was their defensive backs coach for that uh, was a run and shoot type of offense that Pardee had. But that defense, they called themselves, especially that secondary, secondary the young guns. It was Bubba McDowell, Darrell Lewis, uh, Chris Dishman, my cousin Steve Jackson, and a couple other guys that really made up a really solid defensive backfield for a number of years. Then a couple of seasons later, you have Eddie Robinson Jr. that was drafted out of uh, Alabama State, right? So those guys were all teammates together, and Eddie George came a little bit later. Uh, but if you look at the SWAC, you look at HBCU uh, head coaches, now you have uh, four of those guys out of the Houston Oilers. Now, when it comes to Chris, he's not a businessman like Eddie uh, Robinson Jr. was, that they brought him out of the business sector to be able to come play, uh, and not play, but coach for Alabama State. Chris is more like the assistant coach that has been through a number of places. Uh, he's been in the pros high school. He's also been at um, his last couple of stints was with the USFL and XFL as a defensive coordinator. So now he is here in the SWAC and uh, he's going to uh, show what he can do as a head coach. Okay. Yeah, I guess Eddie George would also probably fall into that coming out of the business world into coaching, sure. but you but you had that pro background. Um yeah. uh Drew, I got other thoughts, but go ahead. I want you to get in there. I got other thoughts as well. Go ahead. So I I've been trying to digest this since Friday, uh bits and pieces. Uh, I didn't catch it until late Friday. I was away from my electronic devices uh, for much of the day on Friday. Actually, until somebody called me and asked me about my opinion about it, I'm like, huh, what you talking about? They actually named the coach? Because I, I really, I'm serious. I really didn't know until about five, six o'clock on Friday. Um, now, Chris Dishman seems like he would check all the boxes as far as being a good coach candidate. He's got, he's got prior coaching experience. He's got that NFL pedigree that the committee that the committee was looking for, you know, et cetera, et cetera. My question to you, Kyle, is this: Was were these basic requirements passed on to the search committee and Dr. Granger before they got that deep into it, especially when it comes to? A recommendation of a friend McNair, who, if those are if those are your requirements, does not check some of those boxes. So, was that when was that communicated? Was it after they came back with Fred, or or did First, the search committee go go rogue and choose Fred? Okay, I don't know if the correct term would be go rogue, <laughs> but uh, the search. <laughs> The search committee had their criteria. When I spoke to Dr. Granger, while they were going through the initial stages, he gave me five key points. Uh, the ones that come to mind 
previous head coaching position, a winning program, being able to develop uh, and recruit young men, as well as having uh, success at the HBCU level and understanding the HBCU uh, football world. That was his I wish. Checked off. Fred checks all five of those boxes. Yeah, that that's why if you Chris checks three of those based five. upon everything that Dr. Granger and the search committee put forward, yes, Fred McNair was the the candidate, right? If you look at uh, exactly what happened with Chris Dishman, the board had their mindset of what they wanted. It was two or three members. I think it was more three of members that initially came back after the, the, the recommendation was first put to them for Coach McNair that they wanted to look at Andre Johnson or some other people and put them through the process. That's when Dr. Granger and the search committee went through a, another round of interviews, uh, brought back a couple of people that they did not have direct one-on-one interviews with. I mean, one-on-one face-to-face interviews. And then they put together another name out there. And it was, again, Fred McNair. Uh, I think they couldn't come to a quorum. Uh, the, Interim president, she was on vacation. They went through a couple of side interviews, some more interviews, went through this again. They were about to put the name of Fred McNair back out there. And that's when they said, hey, it's not going to fly. They they came to the compromise, and the compromise was Chris Dish. Hmm. My, my, my next question for you, uh, Kyle. And you, you've been closer to this situation than most of us, but you are on the outside looking in. Was there a way that this could have gone on not so publicly uh, with everything? And I know uh, once you call a board meeting, there are certain certain rules and laws and regulations that you have to do. Right. But did we have to do this out in public like this and essentially embarrass Fred McNair because now when Fred McNair goes to interview for his next job, someone may look at him like, is he damaged goods? Why didn't Texas Southern want him? I'm hoping that's not the case, but you, there's going to be somebody on somebody's board who's going who's to say something like that. So how could we have done this better without doing this so far out in the open, given the law, uh, rules and regulations there in the state of Texas? Well, you look at what's happening with FAMU. You looked at what happened over at You Southern would say that, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I take that back. Everything's real smooth. No, you, real no, but, in no but you're telling the truth. I'm just messing. You, you're telling the truth. So go ahead and preach, my brother. All right. It's Sunday, so you can preach. Hey, and, and the church said. But look, I'm, I'm telling you this, man. <laughs> if you look at what's happened... Over at uh, Grambling, there were some rumblings there. Uh, you look at Southern University, when it got to the final board meeting, if you ever watched that board meeting, uh, I forgot the attorney's name. He's He laid out why he was disapproving uh, Terrence Grave as the head football coach nomination. But if you go through all of this, you're going to have those 
people button heads. You're going to have different ideas who should be in, who should be out. You're going to have the alumni outside looking in who fill their stakeholders, but do they really have enough power to be able to make those decisions right now? Um, that's just my question, my, my theory that even Texas Southern alumni, they put a letter together asking questions. They didn't get any answers. And uh, I, I think also us as the media, you're not going to really get true answers or, and, uh, and an understanding of what is going on between the board and the athletic department, president, athletic director, whomever. Those are those private sessions that is always going to probably remain private. But I think to answer your question, A.D., is that I think going forward, most of these athletic directors, boards, presidents, everybody needs to sit down in one room to, together collectively, put their wish list together collectively, and therefore that can eliminate some of the back and forth that we saw, especially here in Houston. You know, this ain't nothing but politics, and I'm pass over to you, Brian. I throw this in, politics, and yeah. me, me coming from uh, having worked for both city and county government and been dealt dealt with this stuff. There, you always have these back channel meetings before you present something before your council or your board of commissioners or whatever for approval. If if you're a smart politician, you always go through and do a strong poll. If I present this, do I have your vote? Yes or no? Do I have your vote? Yes or no? And if there's too many no's, you make sure that it's not on the agenda that particular meeting until you have enough yeses to push it through. Now, you hope that is unanimous. You always want unanimous, but you at least need to have the majority before you present that. And I, I don't think that this was done in this, in this particular case there at Texas Southern. Go ahead, Brian. Those are good points, valid points. The uh, the two or three regents who uh, I believe I believe that they 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 first started by not being present for the initial vote. Is that my understanding of how this started? So I think I got clarification. It wasn't more that they were were not present. I think it was more that they did not choose to vote. Okay. Okay. And so you had to have, because, and what's the, so you had to have a certain, a you had quorum. to have a certain, you had a quorum. So what was, so I think, I, if, if I've seen the pictures, there's only like seven border regions, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or maybe eight. One, two, three, two, and a student, probably there's seven, yes. Seven. So you had to have how many for quorum? Is it four? Four, five. Or quorum five. Under normal, uh, four or five? Okay, yeah. Okay. So, so I guess where I'm going with this is trying to understand: Did those um, objectors or those who abstained, whatever it is they did, was this? Did they not like Fred McNair, or was it maybe? Hey, we just—it wasn't about Fred McNair, you know. This was really about uh, Andre Johnson or some some other agenda, saying we want somebody with closer ties to the community. Right. Which one do you think this was more about? Can I check D all the above or what? Because <laughs> I, <laughs> and, and add, add E, how about yeah, add some more to it? Uh, 
politics did have a lot to do with it. Politics was it was on the board, man. Okay. And um, the safest thing I can say at this time is that people have different viewpoints, right? And we have different perspectives on what should go on and how certain things should happen. And I think at the last minute, certain people decided to become the voice of uh, reason in their mind. So, and I think that's what happened. And, and uh, look, it's not a, I think it's a learning situation that I don't think Texas Southern will ever repeat this situation anytime soon, hopefully, right? Especially for uh, Chris Dishman's sake. Uh, but I also believe this is also a learning lesson for a lot of athletic directors, especially in the HBCU sports scene, that they could be able to get the, the the decision makers all together on one page to make sure that we don't have any negative press. We're not looking like we're bumbling, stumbling, and rumbling, right? And uh, we're just doing the best that we can to be able to put the best candidates forward for the institutions. So I'm glad you mentioned I about- I think they learned that lesson in Tallahassee. Well, look, oh, it's, funny, it's, funny, it's funny you mentioned about the athletic director because, <laughs> yeah, okay, so my, my, my question and thought now goes to Kevin Granger. Now, Dr. Kevin Granger, excuse me. Dr. Kevin Granger. Right. He, he to my knowledge, he had been given an extension prior to all of this. Yes. So I, I, I can't believe they don't have confidence in him. But at the same time, you kind of went away from supporting his candidate. So what is his, how is, you know, I hate to use the word feeling because I think sometimes you have to move away from feeling, but for lack of a better word, how is he feeling about this? I mean, it's just, uh, you got to feel a little uneasy if you go. I don't, I don't think that's the case. Uh, Dr. Granger, when I spoke to him, was it when their final non-conference basketball game he was pretty confident in what was going to happen going forward. He felt as though he and the board were now on the same page. There was no more miscommunication that was going to happen. And also guys think about this there, there's an interim president in place. And that interim president came from the board of regents to fill that position. She's retired and she's done uh, the best job she could to be able to alleviate any angst between the board, athletic director, and whomever else. So I think it, it was just a collective, some missteps probably, but I don't think it's a vote of no confidence in Dr. Granger one one bit. So I get so so what could you said this a couple of different ways? What could have been done? What could what do you think, Dr. Granger? could have done differently other than what he did, which it, it sounds like he went through his process, went through multiple, interviewed multiple people, hey, now, interviewed, and you and you get a pool of candidates, hey, now, and you come up with a selection. Yeah. I, I mean, what, what do you think he could have done differently? Could he have snuffed out that the, those dissenters? I mean, I, I don't know how you figure that out, but... What's interesting, this the dissenters 
were people that you would not have thought were going to be the dissenters. Ah, okay. Okay. And um, I just, look, man, when you put up Andre Johnson's name as a potential candidate, not realizing that future Hall of Famer does not have a college degree yet. Oh, wow. Which okay. automatically, it's my understanding he doesn't have his degree. Should disqualify. Yeah. In the state of Texas, a state-run school cannot have a football coach without a, a degree. Chris Dishman got his degree upon leaving Purdue. Right. So. Yep. That's right. I do remember he was at Brett Maxey has his degree. You know, so those are things that uh, you really needed to understand if they were the Board of Regents to understand that part of the qualification process. It's funny you said that. I'd never and, heard and, anybody. Let me catch off for a second. If, if you remember, Dion went back to Talladega yep, to get his degree, to get his degree before before he uh, took that position at Jackson State. I mean, he got his degree at Talladega that summer and was uh, named a head football coach at uh, uh, Jackson State that fall. So, Yeah, but here, here's the, the, the issue, I think, with Andre Johnson, and I'm not trying to besmirch his name or anything, and if I'm incorrect, guys, always edit me <laughs> on this. Uh, I, I know only one case – they spoke about him going back to school. And I think that was back in 2010 that he was going to go back to Miami to try to finish his degree. And I don't think that ever was completed. And uh, so if you're talking about coach Prime's situation where he only had what few hours to complete his degree, mm-hmm. I think Andre Johnson probably yes. had more hours than it would take for him to satisfy the requirements to become the head coach. All right. Um, Kyle, I, I gotta, yeah. I, I, I gotta let you out of here. I, I, I couldn't let you out of here without kind of asking your thoughts. Um, I know you've been focused in on what's in your backyard with Texas Southern, but I want to give you a word or an opportunity to maybe share some thoughts on what you've seen on the saga at Florida A&M. Um, you know, from from a different perspective, because I, I know me, particularly even Drew, we're so close to the sun on this. But from your perspective, what what's your take on what you've seen over the past week and what might be coming ahead this upcoming week? Yeah, yeah. And shout out to Coach Trey Oliver, who uh, kind of got through certain channels to me that he was not a candidate and he said he was never a candidate for the position over at FAMU, okay. right? He, he wanted to make that very clear to everybody that he was not. And he was only asked a recommendation about his friend, Sean Gibbs. And uh, that's how Sean got to this, Coach Gibbs, I should say, got to this stage, right? All right, so when I look outside in, I think, I think, Commissioner McClellan has a lot of work to do with our athletic departments, okay? And I I think Commissioner uh, McClellan can help a lot of these situations from being um, 
a lot of these entanglements from occurring going forward in, in, in working with the people in these athletic departments. Now, specifically, I think athletic director Sykes is now doing the, the best she can. I know she's going to sit down a couple of meetings this week coming up uh, to be able to, to hear the alumni association people or whatever, boosters, whomever, and then she's still going to make her decision, right? I think also when you sit down with Dr. Robinson and uh, A.D. Sykes, I think it's going to be a situation where people have to understand that you're not going to always get who you want, but you're going to get the possibly the best person we can be able to, to have at this particular time, especially since they're behind the eight ball, but you just won the celebration bowl and the recommendation for coach Gibbs comes very highly from uh, people like Trey Oliver, who is a championship coach himself. So why wouldn't you give him an opportunity to become that coach? That's just my viewpoint. Were there other candidates out there? I think there possibly are some people that they could possibly sit down and talk to, but I don't know at this late juncture if that's going to remedy the situation. Yeah. Well, and, uh, I, I will say this, you know, uh, we on our show had Sean Gibbs on the show and uh, personally, I like, I like him. It's not, I don't, and I don't want to say light, you know, it's, it's nothing he's done that I don't like him personally. I think he's a great coach. Um, I've used the analogy of, you know, uh, I never saw him in in orange and green, put it like that. I never saw him in this position. And again, that's because when you have a winning program, what I've seen historically most of the time, 99% of the time, maybe not always, but it seems like you kind of work from within or within your environment when you've won, when you've built. And you, we've been the most dominant team in the SWAC for three years. Jackson State has been right there with us, so I don't want to poo-poo and say they haven't. But, you know, it's been us and them. And they made a change and went right to somebody internal. And I think, for me, that's what that's what I feel, and I, that's a large contingent of people feel wondering why that is not happening. And, yes, the AD does have the right to do all these things that you mentioned. Um, and Coach Gibbs, uh, hey, I – He's he's won, been a championship. Again, like talking to him when we had him on the show, rooting for him at Fort Valley State, not saying he can't go somewhere else. All those other things are still like two things can be true. You know what I'm saying? And and, and that's, you know, where I think the disconnect has come. And that's the challenging part for the administration. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, look, uh, uh, Brian, all of I said, all I want to say is, Brian, I want to take an optimistic point of view is Sean Gibbs is the candidate of choice. Look at look at Alabama. They didn't stay in-house. Yeah, you look, Alabama didn't stay in-house, but if you look at Bill Belichick going out, he did recommend Gerard Mayo, right? Um, if Coach Simmons thought the next person should be still someone on his staff. 
I think you take that into advisement, right? The direction and the vision for the program, the AD has to be able to make sure they have the person they want and feel good with and will have a solid relationship with. You don't want any more of these, the AD struggle with the, the head coach. You don't want that any longer. And sometimes when you come and take over a program, you got to put your own blueprint on the program and you have to, and sometimes that blueprint and that vision is not in alignment with what the, the alumni think it should be. But the alumni sometimes has to be able to, to trust that athletic director uh, that they're making the best choice possible. Now, if they stumble a couple of times, then, yeah, we're, we're going to have to sit down and talk. And, and you've got to be able to sell that vision, that that that. So when you yeah. when you do go outside, you've got to be able to sell that vision and. Um, that's sort of another thing that's sort of been a uh, missing in this process, according to a lot of uh, a lot of folks. And, and and coach, look, that's a part of why it's so important that this is becoming a learning process because a lot of these ads are not homegrown, uh, and then they're they're making the the uh, I will say the assumptions that. I can rule the world, so to speak, and you guys have to just go along with what I say and do. But uh, hopefully this is a learning lesson that will not be uh, repeated for A.D. Sykes as well as the alumni over at FAMU. Yeah. Well, um, I, I have I – have, this will be an amazing uh, – the next – well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Wednesday will be – uh, amazing theater and television, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. I have, I have no predictions. Uh, the street, look, the street committee has told me <laughs> one thing, and then and then I've heard another thing. So I don't even know what to believe at this point. So your guess is as good as mine. If you were to, if somebody were to randomly call me up and say, "Hey, what do you think so happen?" I'd be like, "Man, I don't know. I have honestly no opinion, no thought." But Maybe if you would get somebody out of left field. Yeah, look, just I'm, like just like Chris Dishman was out of left field. Exactly. Right. Look, right. I remember the day before I talked to those guys at game day. Hey man, it's gonna be Coach McNair. And that's where every all points sign pointed to Coach McNair. But hey, things can happen at the eleventh hour, and you just gotta roll with it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, hey, Kyle, um, let people know where they can follow you, where they can find you, and uh, appreciate your time this evening, no doubt. Yeah, well, guys, uh, I am a part of HBCU Legends, which is on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. You can check us out at hbcu.media, or you can go on Twitter. You can check us out at HBCU Legends Instagram as well as Facebook at HBCU Legends. You can find all of our content there and uh, give us a follow, give us a like. And like I always tell people, I'm editable. You know, if you don't like what I say, I can edit you out. Now, I can, I can edit you guys uh, the, <laughs> the situation, but no, I'm just kidding. Just jokes. Them just jokes, guys. But uh, Brian, thank yeah. you so much. And AP, thank you so much. You guys do a tremendous job here at Black College Sports Network. Thank you. Hey, thank you, man. Kyle, be well. And before you go, Kyle, before you go, I want to say this. 
for those who are on the feed, on the chats, if you have not had the pleasure of reading uh, Kyle Bosley's uh, articles on HBCU Legends, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes they're, they're uh, op-eds, you know, sometimes they're actually, you know, just, just, just facts, facts and reporting. But whatever he puts out there, if you have not had the time or taken the time to read him, Kyle is one of the best follows out there when it comes to HBCU media. And I'm not just saying that because he's right here on the screen right across from me and everything, but uh, he does a good job of, uh, of, of reporting there, despite well, being a Saints fan. <laughs> AD, what's your address again? <laughs> I'll send you my cash app, man. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zell me, baby. Zell me. <laughs> and, and hey, Brian, Zell, there you go. <laughs> and, and Brian, I'm so happy you kept your money. That score. Yes, I, I am too. Woo. I say crisis averted. Boy, look. Definitely. Oh, while, while you mentioned being a, uh, your coverage of the Saints, I got to quickly ask you uh, what. Do you, do you approve or disapprove of what Jameis Winston did on the final play of the season? Man, I just got reamed <laughs> about that uh, because <laughs> I I approve, uh, but I just had one lady out of uh, Tampa Bay say, it's, it's, fan, it's funny how somebody who's in Jameis's pocket can be able to write this type of stuff. I was like, man, shit. if I'm in Jameis's pocket, I'm sure do. I'm missing those big checks he's sending. I have to be able to give him the right address. You just did the pocket change. Yeah, man. But look, I understand the how you say the uh, the spirit of the decision, right? right? Did he go against his coach? Yeah, that's wrong. The spirit of the decision understood from him as well as the teammates who supported him on that. Uh, but Jameis was being the bigger man to say, Hey, it was on me. I'm the quarterback. It's my decision. But also guys, I'll be honest with you. It didn't look like Jameis was going to be returning to new Orleans anyway. Okay. And okay. Uh, I could be wrong again, but uh, he just restructured his contract that week to be able to have two voidable years. So, essentially he's going to become a free agent. I, I believe there's an opportunity, still a starting opportunity for Jameis Winston somewhere, man. I still believe in the kid, uh, you know, even though, you know, I, he, he may, wherever he goes, he may be coming up on his last opportunity to be a starter. So, uh, and the way you explained it right there, Kyle, that's exactly how I, how I explained it to one of my students at school who asked me, because they were like, hey, Mr. Fulford, what did you think about Jameis Winston? And it took me like this long pause to kind of figure out, okay, how do I say this within the spirit of what I get it? But yeah, was he wrong? Probably. But his intentions, if you look at his intentions, his intentions were were not out of disrespect uh, or to get anybody hurt, but he really, you know, so that, that's kind of how I explained it, very similar to how you just did. I'm more concerned about the reaction of Coach Allen. And, A.D., I, I know you're a Falcons fan, so um, – No, listen I'm not. To Actually, okay. I'm not. All right, well, good. All right. So, bottom <laughs> line – if a guy meets me at midfield and starts saying some very derogatory names and, and words toward me, them them frightened words. The bleep button didn't work fast enough. The yeah, bleep button didn't work fast enough on that one when it was live. 
you know what I'm saying? And I don't go to the press conference and make a B to that podium. It's just my opinion. I don't make a B to that uh, podium and say I apologize. That guy never apologized for how he spoke to Dennis Allen. And that's the concern I had. And I think the players were right to support uh, to support Jameis. And I think Dennis's two assistant coaches that were about to go to blows <laughs> with cool. Arthur Smith, I, I think that. they were right for supporting him as well. I love Dennis Allen's reply, though. That's the greatest reply ever. I understand. He didn't even try to. He's like, I understand. I know. I understand. You're 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 certainly 38 hot. I get it. I understand. That's all he can really say. I understand. I didn't understand. I'm well, sorry. I didn't understand. No. <laughs> all right, all guys. Right, Kyle, thank you so much. Have a good night, man. Take care. Thank you, guys. Take Appreciate care. you, my brother. All right. All right, Kyle Mosley. Make sure the guys check out uh, HBCU Legends. That's si.com. Uh, S uh, HBCU legends. Let's take a short break. Come back with a little bit more right here on the uh, BCSN Sports Wrap. Maybe get into talking a little bit of basketball uh, talk. Oh, also, some big news happening. Somebody in the SWAC East might have got a little bit better over the weekend. We'll talk about that on the other side. You're watching again the BCSN Sports Wrap right here on the Black College Sports Network. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Amber May, and I'm a voice actor out here in Los Angeles. I'm the voice of Dia in Genshin Impact, Yen Ching in Honkai Star Rail, um, the narrator in Comey Can't Communicate, and I also voice Brooklyn Barbie in the movie Barbie Big City Big Dreams. I'm here to let you know that I'm going to be a guest this year at Urban Nerd Con in Atlanta. Yeah, woo! That's going to be April 26th through the 28th at the... Uh, where, where are we going again? It's going to be at the Cortland Grand Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. So, if you're a Genshin Impact fan, a MiHoYo fan, and you live on the East Coast, you got no excuse. Come see me. Urban Nerd Con. Our heroes, our villains, our stories. Come on down. Let's do it! Let's get it on! Ugh! TheUrbanNerdCon.net to get your buy one, get one free badges before the price increases. Remember, our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell leadership principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Caville of Dr. Caville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. 
with me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD, uh, got to again appreciate Kyle Mosley, HBCU Legends, from joining us, for joining us. Uh, very thankful, Drew, that I did not go live in-game with the Cowboys. <laughs> They're getting walloped. <laughs> <laughs> told you, my brother. Told you. Lord. And, and I think it was uh, – Edward Moore, you caught that. That's all I'm gonna say. That was a that was a 40 inch slip. Uh, okay. All right. Um, let me see. Edwin, you love messing with me about my Colts. Huh? All right. Let me see. Uh, let me see. Edwin asked, "Was it one of your players who could go against what you call in the future?" Um, I don't quite understand. What is he asking me here, Drew? What if it was one of my players? I don't know, Edwin. I I don't know. Re, 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 I don't know. Explain that again, Edwin. I'm I'm missing something. All right. Um, might be a new coach for the Cowboys next year. Might be the end of the Mike McCarthy era. Bad times in the deep. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's the end of the Dak Prescott era. He's up for a contract. You, you know what? It's so hard to have. Okay, here, here's the thing. I, I I firmly believe this with quarterbacks in the NFL. There are the the top ten quarterbacks all have a shot at getting you to the Super Bowl. Even if you're number nine or ten, because you have that capability, I think there's a group of quarterbacks at the bottom ten that won't get you there, and then there's a group that's in the middle that might catch lightning in a playoff game. They might win you some playoff games. They might catch lightning in a bottle if everything else is great, i.e., Trent Dilfer and your defense is just superb. You know what I'm saying? I Joe think Flacco. That, Joe Flacco, yeah. I think Dak Prescott is one of the top ten, but down on the bottom of the top ten. And so you, you got to give him, I don't know, you got to give him maybe good play calling. Look, let's be real. The Cowboys running game has not been great this year. It really hasn't. 
they haven't gotten what I thought they wanted out of Tony Pollard. Trust me. I say that because I had Tony Pollard on my fantasy team. He ain't done jack squat this year. Um, <laughs> so I don't think they really got what they wanted from Pollard. Now, I don't know if that's him or something else. You know, again, I don't follow the Cowboys hard, but I just know for them to go 8-0 in the regular season at home and to do this, man, this is uh, – ooh. Is this a fireball offense? You know what this reminds. You know what this reminds me of. Peyton Manning. Hey, 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 hey! I'm not gonna. I'm, I mean, not, gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with you. How, 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 hey, look, I, I'm how, not gonna disagree with you. How many years? Brought it up. How many years is Peyton? Damn you for bringing it up. How many years was Peyton one of the top quarterbacks and not the, the most talented season. quarterback and could not and could not do squat when it came to the playoffs? He had, he had a tough time until the, the one year until the one year when they got the uh, home field advantage throughout and finally beat uh, TB twelve. Yeah, and then yeah. never they did it again. We had, we had to do that to come from behind until the until they got to Denver. With a good defense. Until he got to Denver. And the first time he was uh, there with Denver, got his uh, tail kicked. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, the, you know. Dan but, Marino. Thank you. Good point. Hey, good point. Great point. I, I would go. I, you should have said Dan Marino before Peyton Manning. So, you know, the, you would. I feel you were just kind of digging at me. I know you were. So, But the one, the one difference between those two and Dak, at least they got to a Super Bowl at some point in time in their career. Dak has, has failed to do that yet. Dan well, Fouts. There we go. Old yeah. school. Dan Fouts. All right. Okay. So, speaking of quarterback play, uh, what we'll be getting to talking about this past weekend on Friday, that former Texas Southern quarterback. Everybody finally made this. Check your mic. Rush twelve hundred and fifty nine yards. You when, you turn to your, when you turn to your right, we lose you. So, right. whatever you're reading off of, move it to the other side. In addition to the uh, let's see, body rush for twelve hundred and fifty nine yards on two hundred uh, and on two hundred thirty four attempts, scored six touchdowns. 
he was hurt. Again, significant injury at the end of the 2022 season. And it's sort of, I don't know how accurate, but it's there, there might have been some carryover. Well, he went into the start of the 23 season healthy, according to reports. But he did get injured in that game against Prairie View, Labor Day Classic. Uh, and uh, I don't know if he really returned. I don't think he returned he did after that. He did yeah, not. he did not return after that game at any point in the season. Which which leads to with two years of eligibility. Right. Took a red shirt, two years of eligibility remaining. So that's what he'll go to Alabama uh, State with. And... Um, It'll be interesting to see because we've kind of, as we've watched Alabama State over the last couple of seasons, consistency from the quarterback position has been missing for Alabama State. They've had a good defense over the last two seasons. Uh, last year was really good. It was one. It was ranked as one of the best, uh, right up, not far behind Florida A and M, who had the number one rated defense at the end of the regular season in the FCS. Uh, so I, I ask you, Drew, does how much of a push towards being a favorite does the Andrew Body commitment make for Alabama State? Given everything that is happening in Tallahassee, if I were to have to put a vote in now or in the near future, I am placing Alabama State at the top of the East right now. Um, if, you, if you remember going back fall last year, Andrew Body was probably what most people in the media thought was the number two dual threat quarterback in HBCU football behind uh, Davius Richard. Mm -hmm. So you add that type of talent to at Alabama State. Yes, I said, if I had to vote today, Edwin, yes, I would say Alabama State would be my number one, my number one uh, if I had to vote today. And uh, hold that. I'm, I'm going to get back to that thought from uh, – but yeah, I think uh, there's two things with uh, Andrew Body. A, can you keep him healthy? That has been the problem with Andrew Body for the two and a half years that he played for Texas Southern, not being able to stay healthy. The back end of it, of his freshman year, he he was injured. Okay, he was injured last year. Okay, and the uh, excuse me, he was injured his sophomore year, and then. Of course, we know what happened. What happened last year, but he but he took a pounding there at Texas Southern. What was the other thing about at Texas Southern that we said we needed to see to see his greatness? He needed to play in a team that had a defense where he did not have to put the weight of the team on his shoulder and play super quarterback without the comfort behind and and, and trying to throw. For 400 yards, I have 400 all-purpose yards uh, rushing and passing. So that that was one of the other things for Andrew Biden. And we talk about 
Andrew Body last year being the number two quarterback behind Davis Richard when it comes to dual threat. But let's also remember that a lot of people had him as one of the top quarterbacks, not named Shadur Sanders, not only in the SWAT, but in FCS football. I mean, there was a short list. You had Shadur, you had Davis, and then there, there, there was probably you would have had body ahead of uh, uh, Musa at, at, at one point in time. If, if, if you were looking at it, Musa being a two-year starter at Florida A&M. But when those two both started that particular season, which would have been Musa's junior year and Body's sophomore year, you probably would have had Boots, uh, Body ahead of Musa at that, at that point in time. So that's that's just what the pundits have, have kind of put out there. Like I say, right now, Alabama State, Depending on how this, depending on how this FAMU situation unfolds, FAMU, FAMU and Jackson State, two three. Pick one. It depends on how this FAMU situation uh, unfolds. Now, it's January, y'all. It's January. This number one. This will shuffle before July Swag Media Day, and this will probably shuffle again. Come. Week week zero in August when FAMU takes on Norfolk State in the BX Swag Challenge. But right now, January 14th, I with with that signing on January 12th, I have to put Alabama State as the leader of the pack in the Swag East. Uh, what up? Go ahead, make your point. I got something else I want to come back to. Well, I, okay, so. I, I'm curious to see um, the kid from Jackson State, uh, Emmett, you talked about him, Jacoby Morgan. Um, I'm interested to see what he does for Jackson State. I liked what he did at the end of the year. I think there's a bright future with him leading Jackson State. The big unknown for Florida A&M, the defending champs, is you don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Hey, well, let me go back. You don't know who the coach is going to be. You don't know who the OC is. And who's the quarterback. Or the quarterback's going to be. So I think it's perfectly fair to have these one and two thoughts with Alabama State and Jackson State. And then I was even asking the question about returning quarterbacks. Well, those are the two, I think, the two top returning quarterbacks. And really, Morgan of Jackson State is the, you know, you're shaking your head. There's somebody else. You said Alabama State and Jackson State. I, I said in terms of top returning quarterbacks, there's some other returning quarterbacks out there that I'm that I'm missing. You can't you can't consider Andrew Body a returning quarterback oh, because okay. he's going to a new team. Okay, so there you go. Then that that so that so if I were to if I were to say which is where, which I, is where I was going with my which is, I was going with my point, which is why right back. now, honestly, I would put Jackson State ahead of FanView for that one factor. They are the only team, to my knowledge, in the SWAC with a returning coach and quarterback. Jackson State. Jackson State. Yeah. 
Alice, Alice, Alice Dunn, uh, whoever that is. Uh, I, I thought, Aaron, Allen yeah, I thought Aaron. I think I thought Aaron Allen was done as well. I, as a matter of fact, because he was in, uh, yeah, he was just in a uh, in, with that All Star that HBCU Showdown Bowl game a couple yeah. of weekends now, ago. Now you could possibly consider Tyler Macon uh, returning quarterback at Alcorn because he would be the incumbent, but he's got a new coach. All right, let's uh, let's jump to uh, some basketball talk here for a minute. Um, I'm going to go through a few things. Um, our, let's start with the recruiting calendar first. Uh, no, no, no. Let's, yeah, nah, I don't talk. Okay, you're, recruiting calendar. Hell, I don't want to talk about a recruiting calendar. Um, <laughs> let me see recruiting calendar. What what's what do you want? What what is there about the recruiting calendar that? Uh, that is that that you got there. What do you what do you see there? Because I really hadn't I really hadn't, hadn't been able to parse through it. Okay, just kind of reading here. The NCAA, the Division One Men's Basketball Oversight Committee, adopted legislation that modifies the recruiting calendar. Uh, changes to the recruiting calendar include reducing. Uh, this is related to basketball. So uh, this is basketball related. The changes to the recruiting calendar include reducing spring non-scholastic evaluation periods from two weekends to one weekend and moving the period to May after the transfer window closes. So that doesn't seem like a good thing because those two weekends uh, were your club. That's uh, your sort of those EYBL type things, your, your, uh, those type of exposure events, um, extending current dead periods in May and July, adding mother's day, father's day and Juneteenth as dead periods. Um, that's interesting, um, because I know like, father's day falls in June which is a third weekend. weekend. Yeah, that's usually an important weekend in the summer because you've got high school teams that are usually playing uh, together in the month of June. So that takes away an exposure weekend right there. Well, it just says Father's Day. So that probably makes it a Friday, Saturday event. Okay, gotcha. You're right. You're right. Good point. Okay. Uh, reducing the number of days for non-scholastic evaluation periods and the NCAA College Basketball Academy. I don't know how many days they currently are or what it's going down to. Uh, another bullet point, allowing evaluations of international prospects participating on international teams at regularly scheduled international high school and club team practices, competition, leagues, cups, tournaments during the academic year recruiting uh, recruiting period, and then making all academic international recruiting evaluation opportunities count towards the limit in recruiting person days, which is 100, and limiting the opportunities per prospective student athlete per year. That's seven. All right, your thoughts, Drew. Uh, you forgot to finally, June evaluation may now be conducted at approved scholastic and intercollegiate events. 
that occur at any locations other than at NCAA Division One school. Okay. Those are those high school camps. Uh, some states have uh, state camps that they do during that time. Uh, I, I thought so, that was all. Right, but uh, it, you know they're just saying it has to be approved. It cannot be at a Division One uh, at a Division One facility, NCAA or a Division One place. So uh, my th- my thoughts with this. Th- th- let's start off with the one in May. I'm concerned about the one in May. If we are recruiting, well. Hopefully, if you're a senior, you're signed by the May camp because by them reducing the the time in May, I, if I remember right, that only leaves like that third weekend in May now, or is it the first weekend in May? I'm hoping that it's the first weekend in May that it left with them eliminating the uh, to one to one weekend because the second, the second weekend, weekend obviously is Mother's Day. Day weekend, right? Right. If it's the third weekend in May, you have a lot of high school graduations starting uh, that third weekend in May. So I'm hoping that the first weekend in May is still uh, the weekend that they left to allow uh, for recruiting. Uh, Father's Day, Juneteenth, which butt up to each other. Usually uh, Father's Day is a Sunday and Juneteenth has become the Monday holiday now. The way the calendar has rolled since uh, Juneteenth became a holiday, no, no problem with this. Um, my my concern, I won't say concern. A questioning with this is: high school kids are already having a hard enough time getting recruited by colleges, especially if you're not one of those top fifty players in the nation, because high, Collegiate coaches are living in the transfer portal. So, seems like to me that we're we're pushing away the high school student even further and further out of the mind of the Division ones. Now, as a Division two or NAIA coach, yeah, I love it because these restrictions don't apply at that level. You still have pretty much open recruiting calendar at the Division Two and NAIA level. So hopefully you can convince some of those players to come and play at your camps or you can go see see them at other events. But you know as well as I do, uh, formerly being on the uh, AAU circuit, Brian, like you were, a lot of these kids don't want to play in these events unless they know college scouts are going to be there. Yeah, well, and, and the leagues are strategic uh, about playing during those periods. Um, you know, they're, they're strategic about when they have these events. But the um, Nike, EYBL, uh, I'll say this, though. I'll say this though. I, I, let me add this. I'll say this, Drew. Because of the, because of the power of streaming, I don't know how much is really affected because a lot of these top level tournaments are streaming games. And I would imagine uh, they're making their streams available 
to college coaches, uh, and maybe they're charging college coaches, just like they're saying, hey, if you want a book of our guys, you know, you can you can get us some scripts. Yeah, I pay five hundred dollars for this book. Yeah, yeah, or or, or maybe you know, hey, uh, the the fact that the games are online, I mean, this is probably an expense that a lot of programs can go ahead and suck up because a lot of times they're having like day you can get any games you want for the day, so you may you may get a chance to watch uh, a team with a certain player and not have to leave your office or your home. You know, I think a lot of, I, I you know, it's, it's one of those questions, Drew, that I'd love to hear from some college coaches and find out how much of utilizing the the ability to stream these games in these weekends when they can't go, how much, how many of them do utilize it? You know, um, do they, I would, I would, I would, I would think you would, if you were one of those hustlers, one of those recruiting guys, um, who wants to make sure you cover all bases. So I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're at a disadvantage because of the recruiting period. Maybe if anything, what they're doing, Drew, is they're saving college budgets than saying, hey, you don't have to travel as much. You know? So I don't know. I don't know. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to kind of have that conversation. I, I may have to start doing that over the course of this month is maybe, you know, the, the few college coaches and assistant coaches I do know and, and maybe have that conversation and kind of say how many guys are utilizing the streaming services, uh, so on and so forth, that are out there. All right. Uh, can we get into talking about some of the events from the past week and maybe some games going in to this weekend? Sure. sure. All right. Uh, as you can see down on the ticker, those of you are Division One scores uh, from the SWAC, MEAC, OVC, uh, CAAA, uh, men and women, as well as games that are happening tomorrow. So we won't waste your time going through scores. I will point out, we can kind of just maybe hit a couple of talking points at each level, uh, anything that is interesting or of interest to you. I will say starting in the SWAC for the men, uh, Southern uh Looked pretty impressive last night uh, watching them play Florida A&M. Southern improved to 3-0 and in the conference, 9-7 and overall. They won five games in a row. Um, in that game last night against FAMU, um, I want to make sure I shot the young man out uh, for Southern. Uh, Tyreon Joseph. Scored 33 points. Drew, he was, listen to this stat line. This is a stat line I think you might appreciate. He was 12 of 24 from the field. 8 of 19 from the three-point line. 1 of 5 at the free throw line. 33 points in 38 minutes. Uh, yeah. And and I if I recall... Those uh, threes, I want to look and make sure those threes. He was eight. Well, I won't say he was eight of 14, but let's just say again, in total, Southern hit 12 threes. He had eight of them. In the second half is when I believe he hit most of them because in the second half, Southern was eight of 14, shot 57% from the three-point arc. Um, you know, I, of course, anybody who watched me in a, a – 
uh, Keith from uh, Keith Hadley from Things Up Podcast. FQF uh, FQ FamU uh, is the uh, is the Twitter handle at FQ FamU. Um, we were doing a watch party last night and or yesterday during the game, and I don't know if it well I, look FamU. I don't know what they could have done, uh, but they just didn't seem to be locked in to stopping uh, Joseph. But uh, Joseph was uh, he was in Fuego, as they say, uh, or the great uh, the great Dan Patrick would say he was in Fuego. And also Jackson State remained undefeated in the in the SWAC. Uh, now, they didn't play Saturday. Uh, Jackson State actually got their third win on Thursday. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Jackson State did play Saturday. I'm, they I'm about to get the head. Yeah, they don't play Monday. And that's what it is. Yeah, they got a 75-67 win over Alabama A&M. And so Jackson State is 3-0 in conference, the last two unbeaten conference team. Of course, there's three teams with one loss. Uh, Any other SWAC men's info or news you want to touch on, maybe before we jump over to the women in the SWAC? Nah, this uh. Let's go ahead and jump over. Although I do see uh, Texas Southern did get a uh, victory, I do believe. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, a couple of uh, a couple of women's uh, teams got uh, some big wins um, uh, the other day, and let me make sure I pull this up. Um, Texas Southern with a eighty-five to eighty victory over UAPB. That was a huge win uh, for uh, for them, and uh, I think uh, that was Texas Southern's second win in conference. Uh, this is a team that was three. That's that was one one in ten coming into the start of conference play, and so they're they're now three and eleven. Uh, Florida A and M got their first win of the conference season. Uh, with a victory over Southern, uh, 59-53. Uh, congratulations to Coach Bridget Gordon getting her first SWAC win. Um, the Rattlers are just now 2-11. So uh, two teams that many people didn't expect to be very successful uh, got two wins. Um Grambling State, or excuse me, Jackson State is now the lone unbeaten team on the women's side. Um, they have won three games in a row. And uh, I, I did also want to take a second to uh, give a shout out to Miss Daphne White of Jackson State. Uh, I saw this on uh, Twitter, or X as it's now known. Uh, she shared on social media that she had a torn ACL, uh, which I believe occurred during the Alcorn State game last weekend. Uh, White is 6'5", a grad student in her second season at Jackson State. Uh, she averaged this season 8.6 points a game. <coughs> Excuse me, 4.4 rebounds. Last year, she averaged about 10 points a game. Yeah. So, anything else you want to add there on the on the women's uh, side, Drew? John, that's it. That's it on the women's side. Yeah. Um, 
games, some interesting games. Have, well, I don't know what's happening uh, this in terms of interest. Uh, Southern versus probably the game of the day on the women's side going into MLK Day will be Southern traveling to Bethune. Uh, Bethune lost to Grambling State, their first loss in conference. I mean, Bethune is like 10, 10 and 5 now. Uh, Southern, the defending swag champs. So that'll be a that'll be a good game. That'll be on YouTube. You can watch that 4:30 Eastern on the Cat Eye Network. That's Bethune's um, YouTube channel. Uh, you've also got Alabama A and M and Alabama State schools playing a doubleheader down in Mobile, yeah. Alabama. Mobile, yes. Mo- is it Mobile? I call it, what I say Mobile, 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 Mo- Mobile. mobile. Yeah, that's what I thought I said. Mobile element. What what's your what's your thoughts? Uh in any thoughts in terms of being able to view these games, Drew? You, you got any thoughts on the fact that a lot of these games you have to get on the pay? You gotta you gotta go into the pay pay-per-view method to watch a lot of these games. Um any thoughts you you have about that? I know it's a, been a one of those hot topics, one of those sub hot topics uh over the past week. Last week, I went into what I expect uh, if I'm going to pay for a game. So uh, I'm not going to go back over those again. Uh, Each of these institutions have their reasons for for doing this. Uh, I understand the model. But I would be really interested to see what the what the model looks like, what the numbers look like. Are people paying for these games? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really curious. I'm really curious to see what, what, what's your streaming numbers. You know, if you've got what I'm just gonna say, a hundred people paying for paying for the game at. I wonder, I wonder what it's uh I wonder what it costs. Maybe nine ninety nine a game, or they probably have a season pack. I don't know. See, I because I don't uh I don't, what does what, what does a Rattler Plus cost to of your games? Uh, it's funny, you, it's right? funny you ask. So Rattler Plus for the day for a non football game was six ninety nine. So I was able okay. to watch both games for six ninety nine. And the cost of a ticket, I believe, is $15. Let, let me go back. Let me add. To watch video was $6.99. The audio was free. So if I just wanted to listen to the audio. Radio. radio, radio Well, it's not all radio. So I got to say audio because I don't. I'm just saying what I say. Old, old-fashioned radio type audio. Right, right. The, the audio broadcast okay. of the game. It's free, and you could do live stats, you know, which are free as well. So that's what we did kind of with the watch party, although I didn't really run audio, um, you know. But uh, I was able to go back and show replays uh, because I just – the only thing you can't do is show live. So, you know, I I was advised don't do anything live, but I could go back and show replays through the game. And so that was easy to do. Um, Edwin, I'm curious. You – Southern – Southern has their games behind a paywall. Uh, do you pay for the uh, the Southern home games? What 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 cost is that? Um, 
And anybody else whose school has a pay-per-view, what it what is your cost, both daily and nine ninety nine a month? Now that's something I could do with. Is that Rattlers Plus, Kylan? If Rattlers Plus is nine ninety nine a month, then I'm mad I just paid sixty nine six ninety nine for the day. <laughs> I, I, I look I look right past that option. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. That was a fail on my part. I should have just paid nine ninety nine. And and uh I could watch pay for each game. Oh, okay. Okay. We pay for each game for Southern. I mean, but but okay, Edwin, you pay for each game, but why not just get the season or the Do they have a season package? Do they even have one? That's the question. That's the first question. I gotta believe. I bet they do. I can't see them not having a season package. That would be that would be ridiculous not to have one. Uh, jumping over to the MIAC here while we wait to see Edwin's response. Uh, Howard got a win. Howard was the only, well, Howard and Maryland Eastern Shore, the only two men's team to play yesterday in the MIAC. That's men and women. Howard won 72-61. How about this great And why did, why did only one team only play? Why did only the, the men play? I, that's what I'm curious about. Great question. I don't know. Uh, but I will say this. I'll give a shout-out to Howard. I saw a great – I saw them doing a really cool promotion uh, via their social media in which they uh, they had their basketball players uh, probably in the student union giving away tickets if people followed the basketball uh, social media account, whether it be Twitter or Instagram. So it's like, you know, their basketball players in the student union giving out free tickets to the game. It's like, hey, all you got to do is follow Howard men's basketball. Seemed like a good idea. I don't know how packed the uh, the Burr Gymnasium was, but uh, seems like a great promotion. It, it looked pretty good, so I that was encouraging. A great way to get out and interact with the student body, just in case if they don't know you. Um, so shout out to Howard men's basketball for that. Uh, on MLK Day, uh, oh, Demetri says the students at Howard don't get free tickets. Okay, so wow, you mean I pay a student act fee and can't come to the game for free? Uh, do they pay? Are you sure Howard students pay a student activity fee? Yes, they do. Yes. Uh, I'm assuming everybody charges a student uh, act fee. Don't, don't, don't assume. See, um, oh, okay. Fifteen dollars to see both games in person. Yeah, so, all right, so that's that's uh, yeah. Well, um, you know the <laughs> EA part of that is the fact that we're not selling the sponsorships, or we're not getting enough views to justify selling the sponsorships where somebody wants to invest in the sponsorships. And even though you have a sponsorship deal with a with a couple of broadcast companies, they aren't they aren't committed to showing every game. You know, they have these contracts, and I know there was a big fuss about the whole Grambling uh and you know where Grambling was gonna broadcast their game at. Um and, you know, that whole thing when the SWAC issued a, a letter to them and, you know, um, 
But I see that that's where if things weren't so contentious and if 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 broadcast entities were more broadcast entities could work with the SWAC because again, if schools if you have a company, uh, whether it be HBCU Go or ESPN, if they aren't scheduled to broadcast a game, you know, there's got to be a negotiating window there to make the games available to broadcast. That that can be negotiated. That can be negotiated, I believe. But anyway, um, that's why schools turn to the pay-per-view YouTube channel. You know, uh, now I'd love to find out if it ever gets reported in their annual budget, the revenue that they get from these streams. I, I, that'd be curious to see when they do the report. State institution. It is a state, state institution. Yeah. But, but is it, is it hidden or is it explicit? Yeah. I, well, they know and, the number. And what I mean, hidden, it could be, it could be, you know, hidden in into some type revenue. of yes. revenue, ticket revenue, or something along those lines, or is it a separate line item? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Without seeing the viewership numbers, yeah. Oh, of course they're going to be higher for free, uh, Edwin. So, you know, I, I've and, always... and, and here's the thing. Uh, when you monetize your that whatever sport it is or anything, you put a value to it. So Edwin, you as a Southern fan have to figure out is my ten dollars, eleven dollars, and what how many of our assists that you said after the fees, is that valuable to me to watch? My Southern Jaguars is my fandom worth eleven dollars per game. That's what you and any other Southern Jaguar fan has to figure out. What is the value? So you've assigned it. This is this is something Southern thinks this is something that is valuable. That's why they assigned that dollar amount to it, nine ninety nine plus the fees. So. And sometimes when you give stuff away and you give it away for free for too long, it's hard to all of a sudden start charging. It takes a shift in mindset from not only your, the people who are charging, but the but the consumer on the other end who have to pay. And I'll fault you better. I've been in the back rooms where these type of discussions have been had Edwin, from an institutional point of view. Do we charge for this event that we've never charged for before? How do we do it? How do we sell this to the fans? And one of the things I was saying with selling this to the uh, to the fans was those added things that 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 you get. Uh, like, for example, you don't get to see a post-game interview if you're in the arena, mm. but if I'm if I'm doing a pay per view, it should be I, available. I get that po- I get that post game interview. I I should have that post game interview. It should and be I know, set and up. I, yes. 
And I'll and I'll take uh, our good buddy uh, Charles Edmond at Alcorn, uh, Alcorn Sports Radio. I know every game he does a post game interview with with the coaches. He does the women's coach usually during the halftime of the men's game, and he does the men's coach and possibly a player immediately after the game before they head to the locker room. You know that would be something that that I, that I would get halftime. Are you just running a bunch of stuff, or are you running some type of feature? I don't get that feature when I'm in the baby dome on the jumbotron. So, you know, those are the type of things. If you're going to ask me to invest, and I'm going back on, I'm going back into it, Ryan. You got me started, damn it. <laughs> but those are the type. Of, <laughs> those are those type of value added things that I mean, I don't. I agree. Just with you. like I agree with where you're going here with the value added things. Yep. Just like I need an excuse to come out of my living room to go to your stadium or arena to watch a game. The same thing. I need an excuse to bring that game into my into my living room. Now, for football, it's easy. My excuse is the tailgating, the camaraderie, and everything else, the pageantry that goes goes around a football game. It's easy for me to justify coming out of my house, going to, you know, Cleve, Cleve Abbott Alumni uh, Stadium, Bragg Memorial Stadium, uh, the vet in Jackson. It's, it's very easy to justify that. But for basketball, unless, you, unless you're a basketball junkie like I am, it's 50-50. Me, I'd much rather be in person watching a basketball game. Always have, always will. I will watch them on t- TV or my video screen, my iPad or whatever when I have an opportunity to. But I'd much rather be in the arena for basketball. But that's as a former coach and everything else, because there's certain things that I pick up in uh, on in the arena that the average fan does not does not pick up on. You know, so that's just me. That's my preference. I've been on my uh, soapbox too long. A and T Roy, look, hey, I I might have been somebody that questioned the flow sports, but talking to you A and T guys and, and even Howard, I well, I don't want no, I'm in Hampton, but more so listening to you A and T guys. If you're, I'm gonna tell you what, the big advantage is if you're getting men and women's basketball along with volleyball, baseball, and softball, you are getting the deal of a lifetime right there for a hundred bucks, because not only are you supporting your university but you're getting access to those games. Now, my question is, who's producing that? Is a and is that a is that an Aggie production, meaning the A&T State, whether it be a, the student run or whether, somebody, or whether it be the athletic department hiring a third party? Somebody is producing that game and that content. But again, the biggest miss, and I'm going to speak about FAMU, the biggest miss for FAMU is that I can't get um, baseball and softball games. Uh, the there's a, there's a whole other reason on why on that though, Brian. Yeah, there is. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about that. I, I, well, I get that. I'm just talking about what I can and can't get, and the fact that 
if 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 uh AMT is getting a hundred dollars for all of that and I'm paying if I would pay ninety nine bucks for a season of Rattlers Plus, I know I, I know they got other content that they're selling, but at the end of the day, you want to see the live action. It's the live action that really gets people excited. Um let's see, them boys that hey, hey, honestly, Brian games. Go ahead, I'm listening. I was gonna say that hundred dollars when you actually think about it, Brian, is less than I pay for my Netflix subscription for a year. Ooh, preach, preach. And when you add that up along with uh Peacock and uh Paramount Plus, ESPN, Prime Hulu. Video, man, look, please stop. Stop. It's almost getting to the I'm point that- where I'm I'm piecemealing a cable bill these days as much as, as much as all this stuff is costing. Yeah. Uh, Alabama A&M did a good job. So Alabama A&M used to do their things on YouTube. So are they are they uh, behind a paywall these days, Alabama A&M? Because they used to have their free on YouTube. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's kind of – I'll let you kind of man the chats here for a second. I want to hit in – I want to hit uh, – oh, the King Day, we're, we were talking last, talking about the MEAC here for a second. Um, coming up on King Day, you got to match up Morehouse traveling to Howard. Now, that game, I believe, is a 7 o'clock game. If uh, I had it posted on the ticker because I saw it from Howard. It's not, it's not mid-afternoon like it was no, last year. No, no. The, Howard, the Howard website said 7 o'clock. So, you know. I, that's that's what the Howard site said. Uh, okay, yeah, AM put theirs behind a paywall, so uh, that's probably Doctor Doctor Paul Bryant stepping up, say, "Hey, let's let's monetize." Um, okay. Uh, v Union or Virginia Union Lynchburg is traveling to Norfolk State, so Norfolk State will host a game on King Day. That's a seven o'clock game in Norfolk. Kyle, don't sleep on Morehouse this year. Unlike last year, Morehouse is healthy. And Morehouse is one of the better teams in the SIAC this this year. Uh, speaking of Morehouse, uh, we just saw them. Uh, well, hopefully you saw them on the Black College Sports Network yesterday. Um, Morehouse uh, took on Allen wow. University yesterday um they ended up winning that contest um by a score of 59 to 57 so a close ball game uh you saw that right here on the black college sports network so um what was what was more interesting was the one that happened right down the street brian yes indeed um i'm reading right here from hbcu game day uh their newswire for the first time in school history, the Clark Atlanta Panthers knocked off a top 10 nationally ranked opponent as they beat eighth ranked Benedict 88 to 84 in overtime Saturday afternoon in a packed house at Epps Gymnasium. Uh, Clark Atlanta improved to 10 and 3 overall, 4 and 3 in the conference. Benedict. That was their first loss of the season. They dropped to 13-1, 7-1 in conference. Uh, Chris Martin of Clark led all scorers with a game-high 32 points. And uh, Shamani Fuller 
pulled down a season high and game high 13 rebounds to lead Clark Atlanta on the boards. Um, quote from Alfred Jordan, the Clark head coach. He said, defense was the key. The team tonight, or that team tonight, was the team that started the year off 6-0. If we continue to guard like we did tonight, we will have an amazing uh, second half of the season. So uh, congratulations to uh, to Clark on getting the win. Uh, Clark will play Allen on Monday in Epps Gym, 8 p.m. tip-off. Um, yeah, A&T and Hampton playing on King Day on CBS Network, 9 p.m. Man, that's a late start. That's, that's a nice late start. start on the East Coast. Yeah, that's a late start for that one. Um, let's see. Any other – I mean, I know there's a lot of uh, – I was just kind of taking taking a bump around here. Um, North Carolina A&T's women, give a shout-out to them. They've won three games in a row. I believe they beat Hampton today. Uh, so they're sitting in a nice little spot. Uh, let's see if I can – any other any other important – I'm just kind of going through the headlines here. Yeah. Langston remains undefeated at 15-0. Uh, they defeated someone called – Langston men, uh, yes – Someone called Science and Arts, one eleven to sixty two on yesterday, and on Thursday they defeated Texas Wesleyan, eighty five forty nine. So, uh, wow, Langston off to a fifteen and zero start on the season. Man. All right, um, let me jump over here as I'm looking at the CIAA women, because as I take a look at the, the coaches poll on the uh, D2 level for the women, I see that um, Virginia State, uh, let's see, the media has Virginia State ranked 22, but the coaches poll uh, has Virginia State, I just saw it, if I can find it, yep. Uh, they've got them ranked number 10 in the latest Division II Top 25 Coaches poll that came out uh, this past Monday. And so in the CIAA, uh, got to close out some of these windows, doggone it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, Virginia State. Virginia State. Um, let's see. Didn't play Saturday. Uh, their last game was on Thursday, where they defeated Livingston 73 to 63. And next game for them is actually not until looks like it's next Saturday. Wow, okay, so Virginia State doesn't play again until next Saturday when they host Virginia Union in Richmond. So that'll be a good matchup. So Virginia State's women will stay in the top 10. Um, 
You're funny. Tony Webb, how about them Cowboys? Yeah, that's a loss. Big question is, will, will, will they be looking for a new coach on uh, Monday? And they won't fire him on King Day. Shoot. Okay. Big game coming up tonight. For those of you who are interested, of course, uh, what channel is carrying that game? The uh, Rams? Uh, NBC. NBC. Okay. I'll make sure I get yes. there. I got That'll be a good one. That'll be Matt Stafford of the Rams coming home to play the team. And that, uh, he could never get to the playoffs. And then former Rams quarterback. Jared Goff gets him to the playoffs. That's a great storyline. Great storyline on Saturday, Sunday night. And and since that game's about to kick off, I think it's about time for us to uh, pick up this show and get out of here, Brian. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I agree with you. A couple other uh, on men's basketball, Florida Memorial 14-2 and currently sitting in second place in the Sun Conference. And Langston's women are 13 and two, sitting in second place in the Sooner Athletic Conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, hopefully, as I said, we'll get our BCSN top five uh, available next, next weekend show. And uh, we'll maybe invite Liv on and kind of do what we talked about. Liv, Liv's top five versus the BCSN top five. You wrong for that, Kyler. Hey, you know what? Are are they uh, are they naming coaches on Tuesday? Hey now. <laughs> uh, but that's what we're watching. That's uh, Panthers might. Panthers might. Yeah, you know they got they got this uh, moratorium. They have to get through the first round of the uh, playoffs before they do announce any coaching uh, decisions in okay. the NFL. Okay. First, well, uh, assuming that they finish the first round up on Monday, uh, you know, with all everything that's going on in Buffalo with the snow and the travel ban, um, need to find out if Pittsburgh ever made it in the town because they haven't made it in the town. Pittsburgh, they're they're not in Buffalo yet. They they had made it as of this morning. They de- they delayed everything because you couldn't get in because of the weather. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And Pittsburgh Pittsburgh decided to stay in Pittsburgh so they could continue on with their normal routine instead of going to sit in a hotel in Buffalo for two possibly three days, which makes sense. Yeah. All right. That game was supposed to be this afternoon. It was. It was. It was a smart decision to push it to tomorrow. Uh, hopefully the weather cooperates. Um, okay, so what's ahead for this upcoming week? Obviously, the big story, your eyes will be turned towards Florida A&M to see uh, how all of this plays out. Um, there is, I'm telling you, it, the, the, the street the street committee uh, is, is already a buzz. Uh, it, it's going down, man. I, I got a feeling this is going to be like the showdown at the OK Corral, Drew. I think uh, everybody, yeah, everybody's everybody's sticking to their guns, and it's gonna come down to whether I, I feel it's gonna come down to some Texas Southern type stuff. I got a feeling it's gonna be the board of trustees that's gonna pull the trigger. And just the question is, which way are they gonna shoot? 
or who are they going to shoot at? That's the question. It's going to really come down to that. And so we'll be waiting to see. Um, Edwin, I don't know about the players playing. What do you think about them fans, them 70,000 fans that actually showed up for that game? That's That's the question. Those are the real heroes and the MVPs. Those are the MVPs, man. Those are guts. I was was texting my dad watching that, and I was like, you know, Pops, I don't know if I'd had the guts. I don't care whether it was the Colts. I don't know if I'd have the guts to be out there to watch a team that I love in that kind of weather. I I really don't. I don't know if I'd have the guts to do it. Man, and as a former official, and I've officiated some cold football games when I used to do high school football. The one people think everybody forget about are the officials. They got heat on those sidelines for those players when they come off the field. Who the only people who don't come off the field, Brian? Yeah, you're right. You're right. They don't come off the field. There's no heater. Uh, nobody, nobody is giving them a jacket to put on. Nobody's handing them a no. warm cup of hot coffee or cocoa. Yeah, man, those officials, uh, they, they're actually, yeah, so I I, I amend yeah, those the Those are the other MVPs. MVPs. Yeah, those are the other MVPs. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to get off of this. Brian, I did a game in a, in a monsoon, it seems like. It rained so hard for, <laughs> those, for those two hours. And it was it was already cold, but it wasn't. It was about 35 degrees, not quite cold enough for ice, 35, 36 degrees. It was in the mid-30s, and it rained. And, you know, you ran out of dry clothes at halftime because everybody knew it was going to rain. You you literally had to change clothes at halftime. And I was on uh, Theraflu for the next three days. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. All right. Um I'll just respond and say, Edwin, I've seen it. And, you know, I, I don't have, I don't have that kind of, it is what it is. I, I, I'd love to see how, I bet it's no different than other contracts that athletic administrators have. I I really don't think it's any different, you know? Um, So I'll just say that I'm, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm not going. I'm not going to turn the focus to there. Um, we got to keep our keep our eyes on what's really important in this issue, or these issues rather. Okay, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Um, put in the chat room who you got tonight: Rams or Lions? Real quick, type it up. I give it a give it a quick 30, 20 seconds here to see what you guys. Type in Lions or Rams. Lions or Rams. Who you got? Tigers and Bears. Lions, Lions. Rams, Tigers and Bears. <laughs> I got Lions. Lions. You got Lions? I got, I got Lions. I got Rams, surprisingly. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Rams. I'm gonna go with my man coming back home. Okay, I'm seeing a couple people go Lions. More Lions talk. Man, you guys are buying the Kool-Aid with the Lions, huh? There we go. Band talks is Rams. Edwin says Rams. All right. 
Well, uh, make sure you're following the Black College Sports Network, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at MyBCSN1. Let me look over at Instagram and see whether anybody on Instagram has said Lions or Rams, you guys on Instagram who are watching. I can't tell whether – I see people who have joined us on Instagram, but I can't tell whether they, you know, kind of picked up the show and then jumped off or whether they picked up and stayed. So, but anyway, appreciate any and everybody who watched us or are watching. A lot of – I'd say it's probably, what, three to one Lions, huh? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we appreciate you all interacting with us. Do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button and the like button if you're watching. Wherever, if you're watching on Facebook, if you're watching on YouTube. And uh, if you're on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe. Uh, join our page. That was not one of the choices, Van Talk. Exactly. Wildcats, <laughs> y'all lost. Two losses to them Tigers from Grambling. Shame on you. Anyway. Uh, Brian, we can't talk. We, we can't talk. Hey, we, yes, we week. can talk. Yes, we can talk. The women got to win, brother. The women got to win. Coach, coach, uh, coach, yeah, Brent, but it wasn't against them, huh? But it wasn't against them, so but uh, it wasn't against them, so I, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I'd moved on, Drew. So you want to bring up old stuff, you know, not helping me out. Hey, I saw it. That's a Kobe Durant, the Kobe Durant sighting. Kobe Durant sighting, he made a tackle, he made a tackle, he pushed yeah. somebody out of bounds. Yeah, well, hopefully, his season lasts longer than Marquise Bell. Um, and, uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, now. Credited for the tackle. hey, now. All right. Uh, on that note, let's go ahead and, uh, pick it up, get out of here. Hey, go check out the BCSN pod zone. If you're a podcast listener everywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can find it on Spotify, Amazon music, iHeartRadio, uh, Google podcasts, just search BCSN pod zone. I don't care if you listen to the shows or not. I would just like for you to go download and rate, review, subscribe, help the algorithm out. And as always, we encourage you to share the show with a friend. I know there's somebody in your network who is starving for some HBCU sports content. Send them over to the Black College Sports Network. We have shows on practically every day during the week. Uh, not only our show. But you can find uh, Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The ONG Strike Zone, focusing on Florida A&M Athletics um, on Wednesday. The Carlos Brown Show on Saturdays. And more shows to come. What do you got, Drew? I was going to say uh, condolences go out to the uh, to my family. Uh, but not my personal family, but all my people back in Tuskegee, Alabama, uh, found out last night a uh, very uh, big community leader, especially when it comes to uh, to, to uh, youth sports, uh, passed away overnight. Uh, this is Cedric Bruno Brooks, uh, passed away, very, uh, very instrumental in the uh, Tuskegee, uh, Macon County, Alabama area. Uh, some of the kids that you've seen out of that area that are playing at the collegiate level, uh, he he has uh, he has coached some of those uh, kids uh, coming up over the years. Uh, he and I both have coached some of those kids coming up over the years. So thoughts and prayers for those uh, in, in back in Tuskegee. So just wanted to get that out there uh, before I get out of here. I don't know if anybody from uh, Tuskegee is watching, but 
just wanted to make sure I got that out. Well said. For AD Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. And, and he was young. I'm sorry. And he was. What? I say, and he was, and he was, uh, he was, he was, he was not that old. He was around our age, right? All right. Well, condolences to the family. Oh um, yes, thank you, thank you, Edwin, for putting that out. I, I forgot about that one. Uh, the administrator at Lincoln of Missouri, uh, Missouri, the uh, HBCU in my home state, Lincoln of Missouri. Uh, very tragic what has happened there to Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. Kennedy uh, Bailey. Uh, if you haven't read that story, uh, it is tragic. Check on your peoples, uh, not only for their physical health, but their mental health. Uh, please just go and read it and uh, just, just be supportive of not only uh, her family, but uh, the students and all those affected at Lincoln, Missouri, the Blue Tigers of, uh, of Lincoln. Uh, I know my brother is an alum of Lincoln University. I have not had a chance to uh, talk to him to see if he had any interaction with her back in the day. But uh, yeah, uh, tragic, tragic. I'm pretty sure you've uh, heard about that one, Brian. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, it definitely is a tragic story. All right. Uh, well, condolences uh, to the uh, the Lincoln community and uh, to uh, uh, to uh, Dr. Candia Bailey's family. And with that said, um, we will close the show out. Thank you all for watching us. Uh, share it with a friend, somebody in your network that's starving for some HBCU sports and uh, more news to come as it happens over the course of the week. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. That's AD Drew. I'm Brian Fulford. Be well. Take care of yourselves this week. Travel uh, light, everybody. All right. We're out of here. Peace out. Mahalo. Mahalo.